Hey, um, excited that you're here this morning. And uh, this morning, we're um, actually next week, we're launching a brand new class uh, called Intro to DCC, um, hence the graphic. And today, um, I want to tell you about why. And let me tell you why I want to tell you about why we are having that class. Because Oftentimes in the church space, uh, we do things and the assumption is, oh, they just decided to launch a new class because that, that would be fun or that would be interesting or they don't have enough stuff to do. So let's just do something else, which is not the case. But behind the why, and this is why this is important, behind the why is a strategy. And in that strategy is a principle. And in that principle is something that I think can be helpful, not only for our church as a whole, but for each and every person here, especially those of you who perhaps are coming to faith for the first time or for the first time you're coming back to faith in a long time. That being that you, you know, perhaps were raised in and around a faith background or, or at least you kind of, you know, knew about it and had some friends who had some thoughts and had some beliefs and they attended some places and you kind of pieced together. But at some point, you walked away and it became increasingly irrelevant to your life. And, and, and here's what's interesting uh, about our church. And this is a question, and I say this is only interesting because this is a question that people ask me that it took me a while to figure out, why does this work? As with any organization, we always want to know, okay, some things are working. There's always things that aren't working, and we try to remedy those real quick. But oftentimes when things aren't or when things are working, uh, we don't take the time to say, why is it working? Because <laughs> if it ever stopped working, we wouldn't know how to fix it unless we know what it made work. Now, here, here, here's the question. Let me, that's all a bunch of context to simply say this. I get the question. Why is it that people who are coming to faith for the first time or coming back to faith for the first time in a long time, often find a home at your church. Why is it that people who are coming to faith for the very first time or who are coming to faith for the first time in a long time are coming to your church? Now, here's the idea and the principle that we're going to unearth that in this, there are for all of us ways and people and issues that we want people to come to know Jesus. In other words, we all wish that was true of us if you're a Christian. If you're a Christian, then there's a good chance that at some point you heard a sermon where someone said, you ought to go when you got to tell people, you know, and, and, and share your testimony and help people to come to know Jesus, you know, and they said, go therefore, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them all that I have to do and instructed you, you know, yada, yada, yada. And you said, okay, great. I'm going to go invade hell with a super soaker and we're going to go make a difference. And then you went out and you didn't know what to do. You didn't know what to say. Well, here's what I want to tell you. The way that we think to be effective we find in the book of Acts in our church, and let me tell you, if you are on the periphery of church, this is so important for you to hear because what you have probably heard your entire life when people talked about this in a practical sense seemed manipulative. I want to clarify that because this is not, it's not manipulative. In fact, it's the opposite. It's very, very thoughtful. <laughs> And maybe in your experience, if someone has told you about their belief, thoughtful was the last thing it seemed like. Thoughtful was the, was, was the opposite. It seemed imposing, it seemed awkward, and it seemed forced. I've made this joke before, but you know, perhaps you're watching a basketball game and you used to watch and you watch Allen Iverson cross somebody over and you'd say, oh, speaking of, that is a great crossover, speaking of the cross, have I told you about my savior, you know? It's like, no and don't, that's weird, man. And so I want to share for you the principle behind why we're launching a few things, 
which I think is why people who are coming to faith for the first time in a long time or coming the first time ever find a home here. And beyond that, I think has the potential to transform each and every one of our personal lives as it relates to us carrying the gospel forward. Now, we didn't make this up. We find this in the book of Acts. If you are not familiar with the Bible, let me catch you up on what happens in the book of Acts. Um, Jesus, you know, Old Testament, there was the nation of Israel. There was, they were basically the God squad. You were born into this nation. And for hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years, that was how you became a part of God's covenantal community or God's community is that you were born into the nation of Israel. Well, Jesus comes to planet Earth. He dies on the cross. He resurrects from the dead. Holy Spirit comes down and all of a sudden people start professing faith in Jesus and the Holy Spirit, it's just evident in their life that there's change. But the weirdest thing happened is that forever, I mean forever, since inception of this religion, it had only been the nation of Israel. And the book of Acts records the story of the early church. And the early church faced this dynamic problem that, I mean, for hundreds and hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years, it's only been the people who were the covenantal community, the nation of Israel, known as the Jewish folks. And we have all of these Gentiles who have started coming to faith, who have, who have either come to faith or are coming to faith. They either have begun their relationship with God or they are, they're investigating a relationship with God. And so what do we do about that? And, and, and here's the problem. When you take what the Gentiles' background was and what the Jews' background was, they were total opposites. They didn't say the same things. They didn't eat the same things. They didn't think the same things. Basically, the only thing that they had in common was Jesus. And so the Jews, essentially, their thought was, if you are going to be a Christian, if you are going to believe in Jesus, then you also have to obey and become like us. Now, as normal as perhaps that might sound, I want to read to you what happens in what's the first church council, the first big church meeting. So in case everything else didn't seem like boring yet, right? I mean, we're going to talk about a church meeting. And everybody's like, wow, you know, so glad I came to church today. But, 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 but here's what we're going to find. James, the brother of Jesus, stands up and says something that is absolutely life-changing. So if you've got your Bible, Acts chapter 15, we're going to get a little context to the story as we walk into it. Acts chapter 15, but some men came down from Judea and were teaching the brothers, and they were teaching the Christians, in other words, unless you are circumcised according to the custom of Moses, you cannot be saved. Now, for them, circumcision was very similar to baptism in that it was a sign of the covenantal community. For, for generations and generations, this was the sign that you were of the covenantal community of God. Baptism, circumcision, they kind of would say same thing. In fact, sometimes people still say same thing, but... It was bigger than just this, what do we make of this? The idea was, if you are going to become a Christian, you've got to not only believe in Jesus, but you've got to behave this way. You have to not only believe in Jesus, but in order to be a Christian, you have to believe plus behave. Because we have always behaved like this, and if you're not behaving like this, then you don't believe this, and so you, by nature of that, aren't a Christian. 
Now, if you're talking about church growth strategy, this is not the way to go if you're a guy, okay? I don't know like, why, how you walked into this building. We're not going to survey the community, okay? But let's just say, like if we said, okay, guys, before you become a part of our church, you're going to have to go do some surgery. We'd be, there would be a very you know, female-dominant church. I'm just going to say that. Like We would not have very many fellas. But, but here's, here's the reality. For them, this was everything that they had known about God. As crazy and as kind of outside of the box as this seems for us, this was the substantiation that you were a part of the community of faith. So this huge debate erupts. Whoa. Y'all saw that? I'm quick. <laughs> Who put that there? Anyway, <clears throat> verse 2. And after Paul and Barnabas had no small dissension and debate with them, Paul and Barnabas and some others were appointed to go up to Jerusalem to the apostles and the elders about this question. Now, Paul and Barnabas, church leaders, the apostles, you maybe remember from Jesus' life, um, he had 12 disciples. There was one who kind of, you know, ratted him out and some things happened. We're not going to talk about that in this sermon. But um, there was 11 left plus a couple other church leaders. And Jerusalem was the epicenter of Christianity in their day. So they are going to say, this is such a big deal. We have to talk to the founders to get clarity. So being sent on their way by the church, they passed through Fuenica, Samaria, describing in detail the, the conversion of the Gentiles and brought great joy to the brothers. They're all happy. When they came to Jerusalem, they were welcomed by the church and the apostles and the elders, and they declared all that they had done, that God had done with them. But some believers who belonged to the party of the Pharisees rose up and said, it is necessary to circumcise them. It's necessary to circumcise them and to order them to keep the laws of Moses. Now, isn't this our experience when it comes to church? That when you talk about someone who's coming to faith or coming to faith for the first time or the first time back, you know, in a long time, that if, if you were to announce that at virtually any congregation, they'd say, oh my gosh, that's awesome. You know, you got the old lady, praise be to God. You know, she's kind of waving at God as that whole thing's happening. But, you know, everybody's thankful and everybody's praying and everybody's clapping and everybody's excited. But then there's this experience that says, okay, but if you're actually going to be a part of our community, you have to be like us. You have to become like us. In fact, if you're not like us, you're not really actually welcome into our community. And perhaps that's why if you're on the periphery of church, you don't like church. Because it wasn't about God. You just weren't like the people. Or more so the people decided that they weren't like you. And it hurt. And you got burned. And you decided, I don't want to be a part of that. If that's what it's like. <laughs> that's been a problem since the church started. And I want to show you that that's not how it's supposed to be. So this is what happens. They're having this conversation. So people stand up, say we're in opposition. Verse 6, the apostles and the elders were gathered together to consider this matter. Verse 7, after they had had much debate, Peter stood up and said to them, Brothers, you know that in the early days God made a choice among you that by, my, that by my mouth the Gentiles should hear the word of the gospel and believe. And God, who knows the heart, bore witness to them by giving the Holy Spirit just as he did to us. And he says, okay, let's all just take an inventory. Let's all remember. God decided this, that when I spoke, 
They listened. They received Jesus. Holy Spirit went into them. That, that was a declaration. We have seen the evidence of the Spirit in their life, and we know that they have communion. They have reconciliation with God. We get that. We know that. We have seen that. He says, now, verse 10, therefore, why are you putting God to the test? By placing a yoke on the neck of the disciples that neither our fathers nor we have been able to bear. He says, come on, you look at the, the 600-ish just commandments that were you know, given that were the law of Moses. <laughs> and none of us have been able to keep it. None of us have been good enough. None of us have been able to be good enough to good our way into God's good graces. And now you're taking these brand new people, these brand new converts, these people who have just placed faith, and you're expecting them to keep the 600-ish laws. And if they don't, then they're not a part. Are you kidding me? you couldn't even do it yourself. Now, I want to make something very, very clear. Because what we believe is that what they were saying was if you're going to come to faith, if you're going to come to faith, you essentially have to clean your life up first and believe. And we believe that we will never be able to clean ourselves up enough to be good with God. Because I, I mean, maybe you're different, maybe you're better, but I am sinful. I have been sinful for a long time. I have been sinful since before I can remember being sinful, okay? And if you've ever had a one or two-year-old, you know that too, because those jokers sin every day. I'm like, you better listen to your mama and daddy, you know? I don't know if you know what the, what the Ten Commandments says. It says honor. I don't feel honored right now. I feel complained to right now, okay? I feel woken up really early. Waking me up early is not honoring. That's annoying, okay? <laughs> but he's a holy God. And in light of that, we can't regain a relationship with him by, by attending, by behaving, by serving, by giving. And some of us, we were raised in traditions that taught us if you moral enough, if you behave enough, if you attend enough, if you serve enough, if you give enough, you will be good with God. The understanding of, of Christianity is this, that we will never be able to do that, and God didn't expect us to. The point of all of the laws, the point of all of those things was to prove to us, if you want to be perfect, you can't, you actually need a Savior in his his name is Jesus. But in that God has given his son for us, we now live for him. In other words, we don't do what God says to win God's approval. We are approved by God, therefore we live for him. It's not to gain his love. It's because we are so loved that we are compelled to honor him, to glorify him. We actually believe that he knows what's best. And so he says, come on, let's not place this burden that we, that, come on, none of us, none of us, none of us could carry. He continues. He says, but we believe that we will be saved through the grace of our Lord Jesus, just as they will. And I love, by the way, this is kind of a random semantic in the sermon, but I love his deference in this because the normal self-centered way you say this is, and they will be saved just like us. He says, no, 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 like folks, let, let's, be, let's be clear. They're saved, and, and, and what we understand is that we're gonna be saved like them. It's not about us, it's about them. 
That should be the story of the church, by the way. It's not about the insiders, but it's our growth and our maturation for the gospel to the nations. And it's a huge difference. So in this discussion, Paul and Barnabas stand up and they start giving doing an account. The assembly fell silent, verse 12. They listened to Paul and Barnabas as they related what signs and wonders God had done through them and among the Gentiles. After they finished speaking, James replied, brothers, listen to me. Simon has related to God, related how God first visited the Gentiles to take them, to take from them a people for his name. And then he goes and he quotes Amos. He says, come on, come on. Even Amos said it. The prophets, this aligns with what we have heard in the Old Testament. Now, now this is so important. If you are considering faith and perhaps your faith background is a Jewish faith background, I think it's so interesting. If you read the New Testament for yourself, and this is all I would say, you should read the New Testament. Not just because, oh my gosh, you know, if you do it, you'll get saved. But here's what's incredible. There is... There, I want to say it's like every six verses or so. If you were to count the number of verses that are quoted from the Old Testament into the New Testament, they're simply making this connection. This is what they were talking about. Throughout the New Testament, about every six verses, this is what they were talking about. This is what they were talking about. This is what they were talking about. This is not anything new. This is simply the fulfillment of what the prophets said. And after he quotes this and connects the prophets, that this is what we've experienced and this is what the scriptures have told us, He makes a declaration that gives us as a church our marching orders and I think clarifies for each individual our job and responsibility as it relates to helping people come to faith. This is what he says. Verse 19. Therefore, my judgment... Therefore, as James, who was the brother of Jesus, who was at the time the leader of the church of Jerusalem, everybody's been talking, everybody's been talking about this. So here is my definitive judgment. Is that we should not trouble those of the Gentiles who turn to God. It says, we ought not make it difficult for folks who are coming to faith. As people are turning to God, and some of the Gentiles had already turned to God, and some were turning to God, he said, come on, we shouldn't make it difficult. We shouldn't make it unnecessarily difficult for people who are coming to faith. In other words, we should make it easy for people who are coming to faith. We should make it as easy as possible for people who are turning to God. Any obstacle, any hurdle, any object, we should be willing to remove for the people who are coming to faith. We should make it as a church as easy as we possibly can for people who are coming to faith. Now, I say that, and and at least one person in here is about to get, you know, you've got your email locked and loaded about how we're watering down the gospel. Okay, one, get over yourself. That's not what I'm saying. Because here's the difference. Is the gospel a hurdle? Yes, of course. Is the gospel offensive? Yes, of course. And the reason that it's offensive is because it it tells us we're not good enough, which, (laughs) that we're being honest, most of us already know. But side note. It's offensive because it says, look, we can't, as good as we can possibly be, we can't earn our way into God's good graces. It's only through his grace and the provision of the person of Jesus Christ. That sacrifice that paid the price to make us right with God. 
that we find ourselves around him. Is that offensive? Absolutely. But here's what I'm saying. Our parking lot shouldn't be, okay? Our greeters shouldn't be. Our coffee bar shouldn't be. Our new people tent shouldn't be. Our kids' environment shouldn't be. Our ushers shouldn't be. And here's what we've all experienced at church. Is you go to church, I go to church, we've all been to church. And there are so many unnecessary obstacles that you walk in and you don't know where to park. You are you driving, you don't know where to park. And as you drive in, you, you kind of find a, eventually find a place to park. And you walk in and there's the greeter who you're unfamiliar. Um, and you don't know if they're like happy that you're there. They're about to punch you in the face, you know, and they're like, who are you? You know, it's like, I'm Ben, I'm a pastor. Sorry. You know, I'll go to a different church <clears throat> and you walk in and they just seem judgmental. And, 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 and what happens is that you, you, you don't really know where to go. You don't really know what to do. You feel kind of insecure. Nobody greets you. Nobody talks to you. And it's not intentional, but there's hurdles left and right and left and right. And then perhaps you actually come and you believe, and it seems like you have to take forever. I mean, you got if you feel like sometimes you have to go for months and months and months till you feel like you go from attending and believing to actually a place that you belong. Here's what's fascinating about what happened with the Jews. They were excited for people to come to God, and they had no clue that they were creating obstacles unnecessarily. They were excited they were coming to God. They weren't intentionally creating obstacles. They were simply doing what they had always done. Here's the point. In the church world, left to our own, we will naturally make unintentional hurdles for people who are coming to faith. We do it all the time. All the time. You look at the history of the church in almost every period, whether it's the Crusades or whether it's recent events, I mean, any point, we put unnecessary hurdles and obstacles up all the time. The best way to think of it, and in our backyard, um, we've got, it needs some work, admittedly. Um, and so does yours, so don't judge me. Um, but we've got, a, we've got a set of stairs, and um, the, the, so it's got like a set of stairs coming down the middle. It's got kind of like a little thing that's coming off and a little thing that's coming off, right? Um, and the one on the, this side that's coming off, uh, it, it's kind of gotten old, and some steps have rotted out, and people may, may or may not have fallen through. Um, but let's just say, you know, there's, there's missing a couple steps, right? And if, and if I was, if, whenever I bring guests over, I really take them to the backyard, but if I did, um, and if they, you know, walked up, and we were, you know, first time meeting you all, it's great to meet you, my name's Ben, you know, yada, yada, you're at my house, you're in my backyard, this is odd. But we're here, <clears throat> and I said, hey, well, let's go on the back deck, and I'll let you go first. <laughs> I don't know that I have ever seen anybody, whether I knew him or not, frankly, decide I'm going to show off my vert today. Okay. And I'm jumping three steps up to this step so that I can go onto your back porch. No, <laughs> they take the easy step. They take the, they take the obvious step. They take the step that, that, that is reasonable. It's obvious and you can see it. Here's what we've probably all experienced in the church. The church left to itself will simply create programs that are existing and only inclusive of people who already believe. The people who already know where to park, the people who already know where to sit, the people who already know how to join a group, and the people who already know what to believe. Left to ourselves, we will program an entire church based on that. And we will, in doing what we have always done, unintentionally create obstacles for people 
hurdles for people who are coming to faith for the first time or for the first time in a long time. Let me tell you, we are committed as a church to removing every obstacle humanly possible. (laughs) You could find somewhere to park, but finding somewhere to park isn't good enough for us. Because if you're new, our church is really weird to figure out where you're going to park. So we have an incredible parking team that's out there every week helping to point you to where to park. We don't just have greeters. What we know is this. When you're coming to church for the first time, let's be honest. If this is your first Sunday, right, you walk in, especially if you're just, you're not even really, you don't even know what you believe, you're wrestling this whole thing. Man, there is so much kind of, you feel like everybody's going to know more than you. Everybody's going to have their Bible with them, and you're going to feel like a weirdo. And you're like, well, I have one on my phone because I'm, you know, it's 2019. And you're going to feel like, like you just don't know where to go, don't know what to do. And there's this sense of hesitancy. There's a sense of oftentimes insecurity that comes along with that. And, and here's what we know. The longer you've been a part of this community, the more difficult it is to see through those eyes, but we have got to be committed to people, as people, to seeing through those eyes. This is why our greeters, again, people fall in love with our church, or at least that's our hope, that before our church even starts, you love our church. This is why we try to give away everything. We give away coffee, we give away Bibles, we give away shirts, like you can take a chair, please bring it back, because we don't have that many, okay, but like, like if that's what it takes, who cares, it's a chair, well, Christian can build one, Okay. But we're committed to taking out any obstacle it takes. Caffeinated, because church is boring, so let's at least get you really hyped up, you know? Some might call it drugging. We call it, you know, coffee, but whatever. (laughs) Now, let me tell you two obstacles that we've identified that we are committed to to taking out. One is we just want to make this environment, you know, extraordinary from you. But but as you, you know, come here and you attend, um, if if you're wrestling with faith for the first time in a long time, especially as an adult, and you're thinking, where in the heck do I start? We have actually, we didn't start this, we stole this because we liked it so much. It's, a start, it's called Starting Point. It's helping you to find an adult starting point in faith. And this is all it is. It's a safe place to have a conversation where you can ask any and every question as you're wrestling with faith. With people who are both informed and empathetic. It's a conversation You're going to get around a group of 10 people, 12 people who are all in the same place as you are where you're just simply having a discussion of saying, I'm an adult, I'm considering faith, where do I start? There's this huge elephant called faith. I need to eat it one bite at a time. Where is my first bite? We want to help make that path because, again, left to ourselves, we create groups that are completely for believers. Yet you know this. Half of faith... Half of belief is having the right information and being able to ask the right questions. For too long, the church has said, you got a question. Whoa, don't ask that. Just believe. We say, ask it because you should be informed about your faith. The second one is starting point. Or, I'm sorry, intro to DCC. Intro to DCC, we know it's easy to attend In fact, many of you, that's your story. You've been attending for a while, but this isn't a place where you feel like you belong. And we don't believe the church is a group of disconnected people that happen to exist together on a Sunday morning that sit in the same rows and sing. We believe it's a family. We want you to be a part of our family. And we don't want you to have to take months to do it. And it might take you a week or two. It might take you a month to feel like you're ready to find out more. But as soon as you're ready, 
Intro to DCC is going to give you all of the things that we honestly just don't have the time to talk about on Sunday morning about our church. Everything from what we believe to our core values to how we handle our leadership, our finances, and our mission and our vision, how that's impacted by our theology, which creates a mission, which creates a structure. We want to give you all the information. And then we have, that's actually week one of a growth track where we want to not just give you the information, but we want to take the steps alongside. Let me tell you one of the coolest things. So week two, you're going to learn all about becoming, being a disciple, what that means, how we view that, how we integrate that. You're going to be able to, to, to integrate into groups. Week three, you're going to take a spiritual inventory, a spiritual gifts test. In other words, you have been gifted and wired uniquely to do something for the kingdom of God. We want you to take that, fill that out, connect that with a ministry area that you're interested in. And then week four, instead of saying, okay, now go sign up and serve, we are going to, when you have you know, week four, when you come to that, we are going to have our ministry leaders come to you so they can have a connection and relationship. We don't want to create any unnecessary hurdles or obstacles. Our starting point class, there's a curriculum that goes with it. The curriculum costs money. We will neither tell you how much it costs or ever allow you to pay for it because we are committed to not creating hurdles and obstacles. We want to make it as accessible and easy as possible as people are wrestling with this God who so loved them. He gave his son to die for them. So why would we create unnecessary obstacles? I said it has personal application, and I'll, and I'll end with that. When I think of helping people to come to know Jesus, that's not my responsibility. You know what my responsibility is? It's to simply say, what's your hurdle, and how can I help? What's your hurdle, and how can I help? Maybe your hurdle, maybe if you're here, your hurdle is this, that you've been hurt, by a church leader. Maybe your hurdle is that you have some philosophical problem. Maybe your hurdle is that you have had an experience with a Christian or someone in your family. We all have different hurdles and my, my job as a Christian is to say, and here's what I believe and here's my testimony and listen to me and believe it to us. And say, no, tell me about you and how can I help if I can even help. And maybe I can't. Maybe all I can do is pray, but at least I want to know for you, when it comes to faith, what's the biggest obstacle for you? That's it. Now, if you're, if you're in here, you're not a Christian. Let me ask you this question. If you're wrestling with faith. How much different would that be? How much different would that be? How much different would it be if you experienced Christians who didn't force, 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 force? Yeah, they were informed. Yeah, they knew. But, but their primary goal is to say, I want to allow you to wrestle with this God, with this gospel, with this truth, with this person of Jesus. But I know before you get there, there's probably tons of life. There's probably tons of experience. There's probably tons of questions. There's probably tons of hurt. How can I help clear the path so you can wrestle with the most important thing there is ever to wrestle with? In fact, for us, it wasn't good enough to just say, okay, we're going to talk about it. <laughs> we want to give, whether it's for you, you're join, you to join a starting point, which if you're wrestling with faith, I would say having conversations about that is so incredibly helpful. 
whether it's for you start, joining Starting Point, whether it's for you going to Intro to DCC, which launches next Sunday. By the way, it's during the 1130 service because we know most people who are coming to faith or coming back to faith come to the 10 o'clock service. And by the way, if you're here and you are a DCC or like you are like to the core, like you've been here for a long time, you're like in groups, serving, giving, I mean, you're, you're, you're the whole nine yards. Man, one of the best ways that you can actually serve your church is to go to a different service because this is the, the, the service that most people who are coming to faith for the first time or for the first time in a long time go to. But the reality is, we don't want to just talk about it. You can get access to all of this stuff. Connect desk, you can have a conversation. You can go online, downtowncommunitychurch.com, and you can that. And in fact, you don't even have to go to a computer. You can just search your app store for DCC Tally. Just put, put it in your little app store. You can look at that thing. And here's the thing. You can sign up and make it easy. You don't even have to talk to anybody, okay? Because I know talking to people can be intimidating. I don't know when they're going to judge us and be weird. No, just go on your phone and just pretend like you're like texting somebody and just like say, hey, I want to join Starting Point. That's, that's, that's perfectly fine because, again, we are committed. And how extraordinary would it be if this was every single person at our church, because the gospel is offensive, but we should make it as accessible as possible for people to wrestle with the greatest news that ever hit planet earth. And his name is Jesus. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, can I pray for all my friends, my family, who are here this morning. For those wrestling with faith, for the first time, maybe for the first time in a long time, that they would have the courage to simply download an app, to sign up for Starting Point, where they can have intentional conversations and people who are in the exact same place with no judgment, only empathy and information and conversation. I pray that for anyone who's in here who has been attending for a while, but it's just not where they belong yet, would you give them the courage to do the same thing to go to Intro to DCC, first Sunday of every month, that they would, whether it's this one or whether it's the next one, God, that you would make that path clear. And God, I pray that for each and every person in here, we would be committed to being involved in investing in the lives of our friends, our family, and our coworkers, not forcing the information, but simply clearing the path for them to consider you, the God who so loved us. You gave everything and your son, Jesus, though none of us deserve it, none of us could ever repay it, and none of us could ever behave our way into it. Would you help us to never lose sight that left to our own vices, we will be so consumed with ourselves. Will you help us to always make it easy for those who are coming to faith for the first time or the first time in a long time. Jesus, give us the wisdom to know what to do with that and the courage to do it. And it's in your name we pray. Amen.